This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. And this show is off and running. My name is Adam Ritz. I'm your host, Jay Baker, joining me on the telephone. Hi, Jay. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. I'm here at uh, Casa Baker, and, uh, you know, I'm here with my little fur baby because, you know, we've always said, you know, get out and uh, adopt an animal if you can or give to your local adoption agencies because pets are very cool and very beneficial. And our new fur baby has unfortunately been a little bit of a handful uh, because uh, unbeknownst to my wife and I, she just went into heat. So (laughs) (laughs) that takes it to another level. Yeah, doggy diapers and all kinds of good stuff. But she's a sweet girl and we're muddling through. But I have gathered that you're dealing with a much larger issue in during the summer months. Well, I don't know if it's if it's larger. It's certainly larger to me. Uh, and it's funny that uh, just a few weeks ago we were bragging about how you were in studio and it was the first time in almost two years that you and I were face-to-face in the same broadcasting studio. And here you yeah. are at home because you need to take care of your uh, new adopted pet who's in heat. And uh, I am happily in the studio because it's air conditioned, and my home studio is not. <laughs> oh, and yeah, that's a tough one. We've had some heat across the country uh, this week. Temperatures in my backyard reached 99 degrees. So in my house, it was 88 degrees this week inside that oh, you could my. barely breathe in my living room. Uh, I did. Uh, here, I guess here's a tip. You know, we've we've talked about this in the past. Um, you know, heat tips and heat exhaustion and uh, uh, caring for your uh, neighbors, especially the elderly who may or may not be, um, I guess, technologically advanced enough to know when their air conditioner needs help or service. Uh, so here's a little tip for you: when uh, your air conditioner goes out, like mine did this week. Um, I did have three uh, companies come out, give me a quote, because I'm getting the whole new system. It's HVAC, right. uh, Jay. I'm doing the furnace, too, all at <laughs> once. Sure. My, my system, it's 15 years old. You know, They say they last 15 to 20 years. It's like mine turned 15 years old and quit. <laughs> it said I'm yes, done. Yes, that happens. Yes. So the furnace, you know, last winter, the furnace worked, but uh, you know, it'd be stupid not to get the new furnace, too. So I'm doing the whole new system. Uh, I believe they're coming Tuesday to install it. So between now and then, I need some relief. And so I bought a um, a single window unit at uh, my local box store. Uh, it was on sale. It was $129. I think I'm just going to keep it in the garage for emergencies or for my kids or for anybody that needs a window unit. And uh, it's in my bedroom with the door closed. And so my entire house is hell i mean it is it is as hot as hell it's 88 <laughs> degrees in my house but you walk, oh you walk in my bedroom and it's 68 degrees in my bedroom <laughs> so if you're oh my. there's my advice uh, if your air conditioning goes out this summer uh, especially it always seems to go out on the hottest day of the year uh maybe a few bucks uh invested in a window unit just to get you through until you get your your system fixed or replaced 
Uh, this is the Adam Ritz Show. We're underwritten by Vibonomics. Uh, Jay, there was a cool story uh, this week out of New York. A young man, seven, uh, seven years old, performed the Heimlich maneuver and saved the life of one of his classmates. Did you hear about this one? No, but that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? The young man's name is David Diaz Jr. He's a second grader at Woodrow Wilson Elementary in Binghamton, New York. Uh, He stepped into action when he noticed his pal sitting across from him at the lunch table started to choke on his pizza. Uh, And so he he did the Heimlich and saved the kid's life. It's an amazing story. Uh, David Diaz Jr. said he learned the life-saving technique from watching TV. He he saw it on an episode of The Good Doctor. It's a TV medical drama. Oh, that's right, Uh, yes. He watches it with his dad, and he said uh, he made a note to remember it because it looked like something important to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No and, kidding. You know, that's amazing. So many, uh, I guess, negative um, influences in the media, uh, whether it's video games or television or movies. Uh, but this time it went the other direction. It was a positive influence. He learned the Heimlich maneuver from watching TV. Um, no, that's great. Here's his, uh, his quote. This is wonderful. Uh, David Diaz Jr., second grader, said, quote, If anybody is choking or is in danger, you always have to save them. End quote. This, this kid's on it. <laughs> he is on it. You, you never know. He may have a medical career ahead of him after this, uh, you know, very uh, wondrous event happened. He can put this life-saving event on his uh, med school resume or med, med school application. Uh, well, David, you know what's yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just interrupted you, but I, I'm impressed by the Heimlich maneuver in general. And here's like a, a total nerd alert. Uh, the doctor that created the Heimlich maneuver actually lived in the greater Cincinnati area. And when I worked radio in Cincinnati, a lot of stations would have him on on the anniversary of him publishing the paper on the Heimlich maneuver because it had saved so many lives. I had no idea he was from Cincinnati. Just with the name Heimlich, <laughs> I, I thought it was, uh, you know, Germany. I, I guess there's a lot of German uh, ancestry in Cincinnati. He's certainly German. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I didn't know that was uh, invented on the Ohio River. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Heimlich. He was a real guy and. Uh, He was available for interviews, and yeah, he was a charming guy, and you know, it saved so many lives because prior to him kind of creating this, when people were choking, I mean, everybody tried all kinds of crazy, you know, acrobatic things, but this is a simple, straightforward uh, way to open, reopen the airway. Uh, and you know, obviously, you have to kind of do it correctly, but there's several videos that demonstrate it and you don't need any professional training you just need to be sharp like the second grader it's it's worth looking on youtube uh just search out heimlich maneuver it's worth watching i mean this second grader figured it out from watching it uh, in a tv drama uh it's worth taking the minute or so to watch uh the technique in video take play out right before your eyes, because you may have to do it yourself someday. I did, Jay. I had to do a Heimlich maneuver on my own mother when I was 19 years old. I'll never forget it. It was like it was yesterday. We were at a steakhouse, and she started to choke on her steak. 
and wow. uh, couldn't breathe. I mean, I was looking at her during the headlights. I froze, and I'm, I was with – it was just three of us, my girlfriend, myself, and my mom. She's choking on this uh, piece of steak, couldn't breathe, and I started screaming in the restaurant. Oh, my God, somebody help. Some, my mom's choking. Right. And the wait staff, the servers, they, were just, they just stood there and stared at me. And no one helped, and I got up out of my seat, got behind her. I had no idea how to do the Heimlich maneuver, and I just got lucky. Uh, I, I just uh. I made the fist. I balled it up around her midsection, uh, started pulling, and enough air that was in her lungs that I squeezed out forced that piece of steak out of her uh, trachea. And uh, and, she, and it, it was traumatic. I mean, I'll never forget it. I was scared to death. Oh, I and, bet, and my yeah. mom, you know my mom, she just, she just said, <laughs> she looked at me like, woo, thanks. And she just sat down and continued to eat her mashed potatoes like it never even happened. <laughs> I was going to say, knowing your mom, she I knew I, I had a big bet on she continued to finish her meal. Yeah. I mean, she'll tell the story and say one or two things was going to happen. I was either going to die or finish my mashed potatoes. One of those two things was going to happen. First, you have near death. Then you have mashed potatoes. And I don't know the, um, the state law... Um, that is required now at a restaurant, but uh, you know, in the in the server station or in the kitchen, there are posters up now how to do the Heimlich. And this was in 1989 when this happened, and I don't think any servers in the late 80s had been trained on how to do the Heimlich because they all just stood there and stared at me while I was panicking and screaming about my mom choking. So I think today, right. if this were to happen today, and I'm sure some of our listeners have been involved with with something like this. Uh, or at least witnessed it, uh, a server probably should and can jump into action. Although, you know what? Now that I say that, ins- there's insurance laws and lawsuits. What if they per- – what would happen, Jay? You're my counsel here. If a server performs the Heimlich maneuver and it doesn't work in the in the restaurateur, uh, the customer dies. Does the, Can the yeah, server get I sued? Mean, I mean, I don't know. We're going to have to have a legal counsel email the show and let us know what the answer is on this. You can email us through – uh, my website, adamritzshow.com. What do you think, Jay? You know, I don't really know. I think it's human nature to try to help. So if you do have knowledge of the Heimlich Maneuver, I think you would jump in to help if you could. And you're right. You don't stop to think of, you know, the litigation issues that surround it. You would hope, though, that people, I, I would think that, uh, if I were a server at a restaurant, I'd want to have a working knowledge of the Heimlich maneuver. Well, after doing that uh, in '89, if I if I saw it today in a restaurant, I I would do it, uh, knowing that it yes. works. Uh, and hearing the story about David Diaz Jr. Uh, in New York doing it at his school, his bravery was recognized this week, Jay, when New York State Senator Fred Axer paid the school a visit. David was presented uh, with a New York State Senate commendation. Uh, award for his heroic deed. Uh, part of the story that kind of made me chuckle is none of the teachers noticed the kid was choking. Uh, so David noticed because he was sitting right across from the young man. And I'm just wondering if the teachers were, you know, were they on Facebook? Were they were they on their phones? Were they uh, checking their Spotify playlist? Uh, you know, maybe this is a, this is a public service announcement for uh, our 
elementary education teachers in the lunchroom, put your phone down and watch out because some kid might be choking yeah. on a piece of pizza and there won't be a seven-year-old there to save his life. You will. Well, no, absolutely. And that could happen anywhere. So you're right. You really do have to be attentive. Thank goodness he was. Well, uh, so the heat, uh, my air conditioning's out. You've got the dog. We've made it this far into the show without you saying, "Uh uh-oh, hold on. Um, Before we started to record, you were off mic talking in your dog voice to your your little uh, hound, uh, (laughs) hoping she behaves. What's her name? Her name is Harper. And she is she right next to you right now? Oh yeah, she's she's doing great. The the diaper is on. Uh, <laughs> and we were laughing that surely the dog must be mortified by having to have its human beings attend to her spotting problem with being in heat, you know. I know it's all part of mother nature's plan, but it is inconvenient. Let it- me tell you. Is Harper impressed that uh, that her dad is on the radio? <laughs> I think she is. She's uh, she's really impressed. <laughs> her human dad later, is a radio star. Later, we'll uh, get her to sing a song and we'll put her on the air. Uh, hey, you know, you know me. I'm a huge fan of surveys, and I thought this survey was interesting. This will be right up your alley because I know you have uh, strong opinions about this topic. But a new study reveals. Uh, that, believe it or not, Generation Z and boomers share many of the same feelings about owning an automobile. And uh, now, do you typify Generation Z as 18 to 40-year-olds? Because that's supposedly the technical. Oh, uh, I, I didn't realize it went it topped out at 40. I, yeah, Gen Z, to me, if you, didn't add, if you didn't say the number and said, Adam, what is Gen Z? I would have said... Gen Z was um, 13 to 24. Okay, so a little little bit younger. Yeah, you know there's like a Gen X that's popped in there somewhere. But Gen Z, at least in this survey, was 18 to 40-year-olds. And, of course, boomers are all the kids that were born after World War II. But uh, Gen Z and boomers feel that a car uh, should last about seven years or longer. Uh, in fact, uh, 56% of the respondents were still driving their first car. So presumably the younger uh, group of Gen Z uh, people were already were still driving their very first car. That seems like not a very long time. Seven years? No. Are, are yeah, they saying well, that they that these generations believe you should have the same car for seven years or that a car should only last for seven years from the day it's made and produced until the day it stops running. No, I think what the basic premise is, is that uh, they would be very comfortable driving it for at least seven years. I got you. Okay. And of course, yeah. And the water gets a little muddier, as you well know. Nowadays, we've really run into a kind of a profound problem in america with uh, the production of new cars if you mm-hmm. go to a new car dealer they have usually a very sparse inventory and that's due to a lot of factors including uh, you know the pandemic and supply chain issues so used cars have become more important and used cars have also become more expensive but i just thought that was interesting an 18 year old and a 65 year old think about the same way on a car because, as you know, everyone's got a, a very strong opinion on cars. Um, 
I know you've been one of those guys that's always managed to keep a car running well past the point where it should have been driven to a junkyard. Yeah. And I've always been impressed by that because I have been more inclined just from a reliability standpoint to buy a newer car. But I do hold on to it for a long time. But at least it starts out somewhat new. Now, I do value reliability in a vehicle. Uh, however, if I were to answer this question, I want my car, I'll drive the same car for seven years after it's paid for because I want seven years of no car payments. Right. Uh, I don't want to just drive a car for seven years. You know, it takes me four years to pay it off, maybe five. That's only a couple of years without a car payment. My last car, well, I, I have a, a, a newer car now that I was forced to buy because my previous car that you speak of. Uh, did finally die after 330,000 miles, and it, it, I had it paid off. I th- think, let me do the math real quick. I got it in 04. It was paid off uh, in uh, 2011, and I, yeah, I drove it like 10 or 11 years without a car payment. Well, no, that's, that's impressive. And, you know, a car is three, four, five hundred $500 a month. And that's a that's a four hundred fifty dollar payment I did not make for ten years of my life uh, that now I have to make well, and I'm very upset. If you've noticed, I've been short lately. It's because I've had a car payment for the last eleven months. Yes, <laughs> you've just been a little short. Well, you raise <laughs> you raise a great point. In fact, there was an article this week. Uh, as you know, we've been dealing with some inflationary issues here in America, and with new car prices being what they are, and with in- interest rates rising. They have said now the typical new car payment can eclipse $700 a month. And for many Americans, that is unaffordable. It it really is. And not just the car, but inflation, everything. I don't know how we're supposed to get by. Everything costs more. And, you know, all of a sudden, out of the blue, you have to buy a new furnace and an air conditioner. How are we supposed to do this? How can we get oh, by, Jay, on a on a radio correct. on a radio salary? <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, if if you like bologna, I've got good news for you because you can make a bologna sandwich, slap some mustard on it, and you'll be fine, my man. The last time I had steak <laughs> was when I performed the Heimlich maneuver on my mother in '89. <laughs> '89, I remember it well. Oh my goodness! Uh, as you probably know, uh, Generation Z and Boomers uh, have kind of a mixed bag about cars because many Gen Z individuals would like to maybe buy newer technology because they feel that it's more ecologically sound. Boomers kind of don't care. I know that sounds bad. <laughs> They're kind of like going, "Look, if I've got a reliable car." Hey, that's the way it's got to be, you know. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, talking about they're set in their ways, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Most boomers, you know, can change their own oil. They they know how to work on their car. They know they know how a gas engine works. Uh, all of a sudden, you're going to tell them they need to buy an electric car for seventy five thousand dollars. <laughs> they're going to say, "Get yeah. off my get off my lawn, get out of my <laughs> well, garage, and off my lawn." Yeah, the electric car debate is is a, a big one, as you know, and uh, I always laugh because there is a guy that works at the radio station who has an electric car, and I always kid him about, uh, hey, your toy car, does it have enough charge for you to get home? And he gives me kind of a look. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you get that look a lot. 
I get that look a lot. Hey, we talked a little bit about how crazy Florida can be and how we have to look out for dangerous animals. Well, in Pasco County, Florida, they're currently under quarantine because of an infestation of giant African land snails. Oh, that does not sound attractive at all. <laughs> it doesn't oh, I, sound good. I was trying to guess what animal you were going to say, alligator, snake, python, but uh, a giant African <laughs> snail? Oh, my a goodness. land snail. Land it snail. can get to... It can get to be the size of a human fist. And the reason why it's a problem is, as you probably know, snails are pretty slow. They're not going to race over and attack you. <laughs> but they do carry disease, and they potentially carry a pathogen that can cause meningitis. So, you know, if you think about it, your kids discover it in the garden or your pet discovers it. Uh, next thing you know, they've come in contact with this thing. And while it's not like uh, the snail bit me or the snail attacked me, it's like I touched the snail and now I've got meningitis, which isn't as much fun as you might think. The good news is they're easy to catch. They are slow. They're easy to catch, yes. <laughs> the bad news and is when you catch them, they can give you meningitis. Well, and I had to chuckle just a little bit because this is a serious problem, uh, but the main concern about this particular creature is it is invasive. Uh, it, uh, it replicates itself pretty rapidly. It eats a lot of plants and it will also eat stucco. And as you and I know about the great state of Florida, I'd say probably about a third of the houses are built with stucco. A lot of stucco down there in the heat. A lot yeah, of stucco that's, uh, down there that, that's in the not, heat. Not good for homeowners to have uh, the stucco-eating monster um, <laughs> running rampant and reproducing. No, and uh, you, you'll appreciate this. The uh, problem became a problem in the first place because of the illegal pet trade, because people were buying these snails because they are quite impressive when they get to full size. But, of course, like any pet, and we've always said Florida has some interesting pet problems. Why? Because the giant snail said, eh, if you don't want me anymore and put me outside, I'm fine. This is Florida. So <laughs> apparently they uh, took to the uh, climate quite well. This creature was eradicated on two other occasions. So they do have the ability to get rid of it. But apparently it's rearing its head in Pasco County. Well, if they like the heat, I may be in trouble. There might be one in my living room right now. <laughs> Sitting there staring at you. It'll be easy to he, catch, though. I like that. Snails, they're easy to catch. Snails, they're easy to catch. Uh, do you remember an Olympic swimmer by the name of Ryan Lochte? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, wasn't he, uh, uh, during the Michael Phelps era, wasn't he... You know, basically the second best swimmer we had, but yes. he was also a huge party animal. He was a party animal, and he would sometimes fly in the face of convention. Uh, he'd win a medal uh, at an important swim meet at the college level and then just turn around and hand it to somebody in the crowd. Oh, and was he, he, was, he was a reality star, too. Didn't he have a couple of reality yeah. shows? and. Yeah. yeah, he was just a, a total free spirit. Well, here's interesting. He, he won 12 Olympic medals in total, but he has put up his six Olympic medals that are silver and bronze, and they are set up in a celebrity auction. 
and all the proceeds go to a foundation that helps children. I am impressed. I feel terrible for saying, wasn't he the guy that liked to party? Well, he did, but he, he he must have taken some time out to swim because he was a pretty good swimmer. I'm even yeah, so I'm even more shocked that you said he's won twelve Olympic medals. I thought he was in the shadow of Michael Phelps. Uh, that's well, I not really the shadow if he was winning twelve medals. Well, Phelps won a bunch of them as well, as you know. Uh, you know, famously, Mark Spitz. Do you remember him from mm. way back when? Oh, yeah. He was sort of the original Olympic uh, champion in the swim arena, and there was a famous picture of him on the cover of Sports Illustrated because he had won seven gold medals, and I think that was in one Olympics. Yeah, very famous picture. He's got all seven medals spread out across his chest. Uh, wearing them around his neck, and they're spread out across his chest, and they stand by the pool. Very cool picture. Now, uh, if you do, and you've always talked about wanting an Olympic medal, because did you say that was part of your arsenal? Is you just walk into a place and say, "Hey, can you guys help me find my Olympic medal that I've misplaced?" I might bid on one of Ryan's uh, medals and just and wear it, uh, and wear it. as if it were my own. It's if it were your own. You know, you're a pretty good swimmer. There's no reason you shouldn't have an Olympic medal. I can uh, tread water for three minutes. <laughs> the company is Boston-based RR Auction, so double R Auction. You can visit their website. The sale ends July 21st, and the proceeds will go to the Jorge Nation Foundation. It's a nonprofit that is similar to Make-A-Wish, and that they are helping terminally ill children and teenagers in the uh, south, southern Florida area uh, take a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and they pay for the proceeds. So impressed. I, I'm just, I'm just beside myself for uh, my initial reaction on what I thought of Ryan. And his last name, <laughs> let's just, I want to give him more, even more credit. His last name is a bit lo- odd. Lodkey, what is it? Lochte, which is L O C H T E. Okay, Lodkey. Okay. T- Lot- Lochte. Yeah, not like Loki, Marvel <laughs> Comics hero. My favorite Avenger, by the way. He's not even an Avenger. Is that, is that your favorite Avenger? And he's not one. Yeah. He's not an Avenger, but he's my favorite Avenger. My favorite uh, adventure is the guy that uh, drives some places. Oh, happy. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the best? <laughs> you miss the whole point of the Avengers. You watch it for a long time and you go, hey, my favorite guy is the guy that gets him lunch. My, yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah, Iron, that guy. Iron Man's assistant. That's my favorite Avenger. That's Pepper Potts. Ryan Lochte. Okay. Uh, I'm just, I just uh, feel terrible that, uh, that I besmirched his, besmirched, besmirched his name. I can't even say that even. Um, <laughs> with, with saying he was the young man who partied too hard. Uh, but gosh darn it, he earned 12 Olympic medals. He's auctioning some of those off to raise money for uh, kids with terminal uh, afflictions. What a, what a fantastic story. <laughs> Well, no, it is. It's a terrific story. And I didn't mean to paint you into a corner. You're absolutely right. And you and I know that, you know, we have been probably one of the first generations that where the Olympic stars, hey, they have a life 
outside of the Olympics. And yeah, they party a little bit. You know, who was the famous snowboard guy who was absolutely Mr. Party? Sean White. Uh, was it Sean yeah, White? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, yeah, they're like, they're normal people just like you and me. They just have 12 Olympic medals. You know how it is. But yeah, Ryan has famously given away a lot of his medals in the past well, and putting them up for auction is pretty impressive. Ryan is making Michael Phelps look terrible because I, I think Phelps has kept <laughs> all of his medals like a selfish jerk he is. He's, He's kept his medals and hasn't helped anyone but himself. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, hey, you know, real quick, I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but uh, you had mentioned summer heat and dealing with a profound AC issue. You probably know that if uh, the the homeless in your area suffer a lot more in the heat, uh, there's actually uh, higher stress levels in the heat than sometimes in colder weather. So your local homeless shelter may be looking for help during these summer months. So it does uh, bear checking out your local homeless charities because they're trying to provide what they call AC hours, which is time periods where they can open the doors for homeless who can come in and then at least get away from the heat for a while. Great idea, Jay. In fact, you... You've inspired me. I, I made that little unit I got for my bedroom to get me through this yeah. weekend uh, until I get new AC. I, I think I'm going to give that to a homeless shelter or to a, a, a furniture bank uh, to give to a family that doesn't have air conditioning. Great stuff, Jay. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And for all of our listeners, you can hear this show and previous shows in podcast form on our website, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.